Father God, as we kick off and continue to move ahead in speaking about the heavens, remind us that you first came to us to bring heaven to earth. And Lord, it's through your life, your death, your burial, your resurrection and ascension that we too find life and hope in all of that that you have accomplished for our sake. Lord, lead us now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. There's a book out there. It's called Heaven is Beyond Your Wildest Expectations. And this past week we had family night, so we didn't have life groups going on. And, and my kids, I just they love family night. They cannot wait for it to get here because dad's going to preach to the family. On fam- and I just know they get so excited. But this week I told them, I said, I'm going to read you a story out of a book. And, and this book is Heaven is Beyond Your Wildest Expectations. And I just took chapter 3 of that book and I, I read it to them. And then we kind of discussed that chapter and what happened. Now, the scripture reminds us in the book of Revelation that uh, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. And so as all of us have a testimony, if you believe in Jesus Christ, that helps other people overcome in their own lives. And so you have a testimony, you'll hear some of my testimony next week, you'll hear how uh, this is not a correct phrase and we should never say it, but how I cheated death many times, which is not a true statement, but you'll hear some of those stories unpack next week. I I start off the message with, with that, but I just want you to see where here is a story about a man, his name is Ian McCormick, and it may look like he cheated death, but that's not true. God had a plan and a purpose for his testimony. Now, this is a man who, who uh, just to give you a little preface, and I'm going to read just a little part of his story before we kick off today because there's somewhat of an excerpt, an explanation of his testimony of what he saw, life beyond death. He was dead for near 16 minutes, proclaimed dead. And what had happened to him is he was a scuba diver off the coast of New Zealand, and instead of a shark attacking him, he actually ran into a box jellyfish. And a box jellyfish has a, mortal, a very high mortality rate if you've been stung by one of those. And as he wiped it, which you're not supposed to do, um, that caused that arm to immediately begin to swell and his body started shutting down. And before he got out of the water, he was hit by another. So he should have been, it was fatal from just one. Now two have hit him. He said, these are his words, I began to shake violently. Then a deadly death crept over my entire body right down to my very bone marrow. I began to shake, shake, and shake violently. Death was creeping over me. He heard a voice saying, pray to God, but he didn't believe in God. He's a proclaimed atheist. He would not allow his mother to speak about Jesus to him in over 10 years. Suddenly he remembered, my mother had one God His name is Jesus. The only prayer he could remember was the Lord's Prayer. He remembered it growing up. So he began to pray the Lord's Prayer. At that very moment, his mother, who was halfway around the world, had a vision of her son's peril, and she began to pray for him in that instance. Mothers, the power of the prayer you have over your children is amazing when his eyes closed he was awakened but just prior to being awakened in hell he had said the part of the lord's prayer 
forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those who trespassed against me. His eyes were open and it was darkness all around. He could feel the fear. He could feel the torment. But out of nowhere, a bright light began to encompass the darkness. It came for him. It came towards him. And it pulled him out of that darkness and brought him into the light. Forgive me, Lord, forgive me. I don't deserve to be here. And it continued to become brighter and brighter and brighter. He saw a scripture run in front of his eyes that was 1 John 1, 5. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. He saw white fire, brilliant diamonds. In his words, it was pure joy began to envelop me. Green grass, rivers, crystal brilliance flowed. Flowers, trees, paradise. It was truly the Garden of Eden. Those are his exact words. The voice of the Lord asked if he wanted to stay, and he stated, Lord, I must go back and tell my mother that what she believes is real. He said, one eye opened as he laid on that deathbed after they had proclaimed him dead. And a nurse caught a glimpse of the one eye, and he said, Lord, I need you to open my other eye. And he opened his other eye. And he said, Jaws fell to the floor. He goes on to talk about how he almost missed, almost missed heaven based upon his own pride, his own selfishness, and his own belief or non belief of the reality of eternity. Now, something we learned about last week church as we spoke of life death burial resurrection and ascension there are five things that happened to jesus these are the five things that really happened to jesus we speak more about his life and we should than any other thing about christ but in looking at his life this is also true about and with us look our goal is not heaven outside of this body inside of this body our goal is to bring heaven to earth but our goal ultimately must be jesus if you want a better marriage, if you want a better life, if you want a better relationship, if you want things in this life, they've got to be found in and through Christ. That's it. That's the only hope. You see, so oftentimes we go to get help any other place. And we try to fix the temporal through temporal eyes, through looking at it through a temporal lens. And, and what Jesus is, is Jesus is eternal and Jesus is, is, is calling us to him, and in him, his burden is light. His yoke is easy. His yoke is light. His burden hits that. Right? But it's all found in Christ. And so heaven, eternity, comes to us and should as Christians through Christ. The disciples came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. They asked him how to pray. He tells them when they pray, they should pray heaven to earth. On earth as it is in heaven. If heaven invaded the earth, what would it look like? There would be no hunger, no fear, no sin, no sickness, no poverty. Only one status. Not several statuses. Right? That would be... That would be where the Trinity is made whole. So why haven't we seen heaven invade the earth? I think, I think so oftentimes we simply look at life through the temporal instead of the eternal. I once heard Adrian Rogers state, man is the only creature who knows he is going to die. Now think of that for just a moment. 
Man is the only creature who knows that he's going to die. I mean, many in this church like to, like to feed a deer for a year, and then in November, when he's not looking, pow, you bust the cap. And you call it hunting. Let me, let me change that. We call it hunting. <laughs> that deer didn't know he was going to die, but he did. We're terrible friends oftentimes to the world we serve but we you and me we're the only creatures that have the ability really to understand the certainty of death so wouldn't it make sense that we would be concerned with what happens after we die as well as what happens before we die if you want to see a glimpse of heaven, Jesus speaks of one in Luke chapter 16, verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. Now, the purple means that he had status. This wasn't just any kind of rich man. This wasn't just a man with money. This, this man, because of the purple, he would have been some type of politician, if you will. He would have, he would have been a man of stature, a man that people knew. He had a, some type of authority. That's what the purple represents presents here and at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table even the dogs would come and lick his sores the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham the rich man also died and was buried in Hades where he was being tormented he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side he called out father Abraham have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received good things, and Lazarus in, in like manner evil things. Now, when we stop here, I, I want us to, to pay attention real quick. Remember that during your lifetime, remember during the temporal, um, you wanted nothing to do with me you were going to do it your own way remember you had this gift that's called life remember that child remember during your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner evil things but now he is comforted here and you are in agony besides all this between you and us there's a great chasm that has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to there you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone rises from the dead isn't it interesting that Jesus speaks this parable and he knows that even he too will be raised from the dead 500 others will be raised along with him and yet there will still be those who simply don't believe there's a great tension here it's a parable of two men one was looking at death every day of his life the other wasn't thinking of death he wasn't thinking about life after death but was comfortable and honestly in his pride thought tomorrow would never come. Now here's Lazarus, and Lazarus is going to die first. Of course he is. 
This guy's got, I mean, he's sick. The rich man versus Lazarus, if you, if you compare both of them, uh, one's dressed in purple and fine linen. The other one is lucky to be dressed at all. One feasted sumptuously every day. Isn't that a huge word for a West Texan? It's hard for me even to say the word sumptuous, but it sounds so good. And so he would eat this way every day. He had all kinds of food, more than enough, would throw some away, I'm sure. And yet there's Lazarus who simply hoped for some crumbs out of the trash possibly as they would carry it out of the gate. Maybe some might fall out from the abundance and I can feed upon those. One enjoyed great health, but the other dogs actually licked his sores. One enjoyed the good things in life. And it's interesting to me that one is described by Jesus as having in life evil things. Now, men and women of God know this, that life is not equal. It's not equal for any of us, and we can't make it so. Only Jesus There is neither Jew nor Gentile, right? There's neither male nor female. In Christ, in Christ, he makes it equal in his time for us to come into the heavenlies with him. But life in the temporal will never be equal for any of us. And it's interesting how we want it to be so. It's called socialism, if you didn't know. I'm not going to run that, that race this morning. But I I would say this, that you can't make it equal for everyone. Now, we as the church have to pay attention to what Jesus is teaching here. There is a chasm that is between these two people in the afterlife. Lazarus died first. He was impoverished. He was sick. He was a a beggar. And eventually, life ended for him. Now, this man, he wasn't just a beggar. He just didn't have the health to have wealth. So here's what Jesus is saying. Now, there are some people who beg that have the health to have wealth. We know this, the parable of the talents. They just choose not to. I'm just not going to do what. This is, I really think this is why Jesus said the poor you always have with you is because some will simply choose to be poor and beg. Instead of listening and learning from Christ and growing amidst other believers to find how in the temporal we can sow to the eternal and have blessings here. There's a great warning. Let not many of you become teachers for in doing so you will incur a stricter judgment. We tend to think that stricter judgment is going to be in the afterlife. No, it can happen right here. I'll probably get some, some text message emails after this message. Why don't you start off with that story? We don't know if that's true. We don't. It's just this man's testimony, right? Does it parallel to the Word of God? That's what we compare it to. So so as we look at this, here's what we see. I want you to know that this man didn't have the health to have wealth. The dogs wouldn't be able to lick the sores on Lazarus if he would have had the strength to fight them off. There's not any of us that would lay up and say, come here, pooch, lick this one. Right, we would, we would beat him off with something, but he didn't have the strength. And I believe the reason why Jesus shared that in this parable is he's making a correlation that this man did not choose to be a beggar. Life happened and it left him in this situation. And so we've got to pay attention to people like this for sure. 
He was unable to work, unable to provide, so he looked upon the one who could help do so. There was a wealthy man, a man of stature that lived nearby, and maybe just some of the crumbs might fall out of the trash as they would pass him by. Someone in the present, a rich man, he had enough to share. Now, Lazarus obviously knew the God of Abraham, and so Of course, we know that Jesus is making an appeal here to the Jewish people in this story and with this story because he's talking about Abraham in the afterlife. And Abraham was saved through what? A great faith. And so he believed in the afterlife, of course, the life to come. And so Jesus is pointing out some things to definitely the Jewish culture here. But... Lazarus, as he knew God, what happened is Jesus shares this parable where he is pulled into, in probably most of your scriptures, it says, into the bosom of Abraham. That doesn't sound good. I wasn't even going to use the word. That's why I chose. Anyway, it means pulled into the side, though. You know, they, they, they considered this with the Jews among the Jews. If you ate at a rich man's house, then the rich man actually had an orderly way of doing things. You would go in, and the one whom he loved the most would set the nearest to him. He would, he would place him next to him. And so that's what he's showing here. And so the point Jesus is using, the problem wasn't so much the wealth of the rich man or the health of Lazarus, it was where their hearts were. When Lazarus died, he went immediately to heaven. Burials were for those who could afford to be buried. And I'm sure the rich man had the best eulogist, the best pianist. He probably had a floral arrangement that went from one side of the stage all the way to the other. I have helped Rich people bury their loved ones. One time I went with a man, particularly for his own protection. He was well into his 80s, extremely wealthy man. His wife had passed away, and of course the funeral home was wanting to sell him the gold package. They have gold, silver. I mean, you just have to kind of... Now, if you work at a funeral home or own one, I love you. Okay, I'm just saying, I, we were in Lubbock at the time, and, and uh, boy, they, 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 you would not believe what they were putting in front of him. And I just had to say, hey, brother, remember, she's not there. She's not there. We, 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 can, we can spend all the money in the world, but I would rather spend it on the living. I would look for, for those out there that we could sow into to make an eternal difference. And, and he got it. He got it. And by the way, he didn't go with a gold package. I'm so proud of him. So here's the deal. I'm sure the rich man had all of these, these great things. And, and it was probably said by this, by this man who could speak wondrous words about him. He probably said somewhere in that message, he was a good, good man. But the Bible says there is no good man, not even one. Please don't say that at my funeral. Say he's a forgiven Man, please. So what we see in some ways is two men, and because of their condition in life and because of the decision made on that side of the shore, it determined on one side of the shore, it would determine their condition of what it would look like on the other side of the shore. And many people, because of their situation on this side of the shore, will completely be shocked when they are raised on the other side. I've seen the opposite of this, very, of this very parable. A rich man who had sown into the kingdom of God and literally used his wealth 
as an attempt to bring heaven to earth. And I've seen those who have had such a painful life and given a bad hand in life that they blame God and they deny his very existence. I've seen the extremes on both ends. Johnny Carson was a brave man one time. Some of you younger ones don't know who Johnny Carson was. He kind of set the tone for a late night talk show host. And here a while back, I just happened to see, I don't know if it was on Facebook or what it was on, but there was an excerpt, and it showed the Johnny, Johnny Carson show, and he had Billy Graham on the show. Now, I was thinking, you already messed up, Johnny. Johnny was married like four or five times. I mean, Johnny lived life. And I, and I hope Johnny made, hell, you know, I don't know if he knew Jesus. I don't know. But this is what Johnny did when, when Billy Graham came out and everything, you know, Johnny was trying to cut up with him and all this stuff. And Johnny and, and Billy Graham, just a straightforward, straight-laced, he's going to shoot at you just right to the heart. And so uh, Johnny asked Billy Graham, Billy Graham, you know, hey, I, I think heaven's going to be a wonderful place. Do you think that golf's going to be there? And I had to write this down, what Billy Graham said. He said, Johnny, if you get there, and it's necessary for your well-being, then Goff will be there as well. I want to tell you, there's going to be a lot of people that mock and make fun of your faith in the afterlife. There are going to be people like the rich man who are not at all concerned about it. There are going to be those with stature and status that are going to tell you that what you believe, church, is false. And that when we die, we just simply cease to exist. But I explained that last week. We don't cease to exist. There's a separation that takes place. And this is why the scriptures continue to go back about being redeemed, restored, renewed, refreshed. Not a cease of existence, but, but there's something greater for the Christian. There's a separation of the spirit and the body. And there will be those out there that have this status that are going to wind up in hell because what they believe does not alter the truth or the word of God. And this is why we are called to stand firm in our faith. Don't take the bait. Politicians, professors, scoffers are bound to come and ridicule life after death. I've been ridiculed for my faith. I've been ridiculed about being an extremist. And, and we all have if you've been a Christian and had to stand up for something. Only the ignorant need a crutch. I don't know if you've ever been told that. That it's not true. See, it doesn't change the truth of God when we are ridiculed for what we believe. We may look like fools today, but there will come a day when the Lazaruses no longer look like fools on this earth. A day that no one escapes, no matter how well-spoken or how educated someone may be, that mind will die. And only the truth of God will live and reign. And that truth being in us is what we have to hang on to in this time known as the temporal. No one escapes death. Isn't it amazing that people think they will, people think they can, that tomorrow never comes, but we will not escape it. It comes to each and every one of us. We are all approaching that shore moment by moment. See, but isn't it a beautiful thought to be pulled into the very side of Jesus? Be saved from the depths of hell. You see, the thing that the rich man got right was this. 
when he asked Abraham, send Lazarus. Isn't it interesting? He still has that, that he thinks he still has some type of stature. Ah, send that, that, that man Lazarus. Have him dip his finger in the water, in some water, and come and drop it on my lips. The one thing he had right is that one drop of heaven's water can put out all the fires of hell. He had that part right, but that's it. See, Noah, Noah looked silly building an ark in the desert. Abraham looked silly while, rising, while raising the blade over Isaac. David looked silly facing a giant and stating, On this very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God. He looked silly for saying it, but it wasn't silly when he did it. Jesus was mocked and scoffed and scoffed by the very ones he would lay his life down for. The very ones that he's trying to share this parable with would find Jesus in contempt. Listen, church, what others say doesn't change the truth of God's word. Don't let anyone convince you on this side of the shore to neglect and throw away an eternity on the other side of the shore. We've got to learn what it means to press on. To press on. The disciples had to learn themselves what it meant to press on. Now, when we press on, we don't press on by ourselves. We don't press on in our own strength. We have the strength of the Lord. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, watch, heavenward in Christ Jesus. God has called me heavenward one way, and that's in his Son, Christ Jesus who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. Now let's talk about that power who is able to bring under, everything under his control for just a moment. Now, the Apostle Paul, it's interesting because he, says, because he says, forgetting what lies behind. I want to take just a moment to talk about pressing on. To press on, you've got to forget some things back here. What do we forget? When we come into Christ... We are a new creation. Behold, the old things have passed away. The new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. But as that happens, if we're not careful, sometimes we try to resuscitate the old man because we're familiar with that guy, with that person, with that gal. Don't do that. This is why he's saying forgetting what lies behind. He didn't say forgetting what stands behind. He said forgetting what lies behind. Now, if something is standing behind you, it means that it has life. But if something is laying down behind you, it means it has death. And our God is a God of life, and he came to give us life beyond the shore. Life everlasting. So what is living behind us that is worth remembering and not forgiving? What is standing behind us that is worth looking back at? And grabbing a hold, that day of salvation for you is one of those things. 
But another thing is understand that Jesus says, it is for your benefit that I go, for if I go, I will send a helper for you. That word helper comes from the Greek parakletos, which means one who stands behind you. So in that day, when you are ridiculed, in that day, when you are told to let go, in that day when you are told that you will be forced behind the prison bars, or in that day when your faith is challenged, in that day when the politicians say, when the men who say there is no afterlife, in that day when you are called to stand and stand firm and to lay a hold, you have to remember that forget the old man, he can't save you now. It's only in the new man of Christ. And he is standing right behind you. And he's all girded up to protect you and to help you and to encourage you. So as we look over our shoulder, there he is. And his words are, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hey, they may take your head from you. They may take your life from you. And Jesus reminds, don't fear the one who can take the body. Fear the one who takes the soul. I'm here and I will take you from this shore to that shore and that's my promise you see we're called heavenward as Christians to look at Christ and to go with Christ all the way others will attempt in this life to get you to think differently about heaven Uh, you know I don't believe that there's a purgatory this is just me a place where you can work off sin because let's be honest if you could work it off some of you would be in purgatory for eternity laboring because of the amount of your sin. That was supposed to be funny. But here's the other thing. Mormons believe that you can be baptized for someone else's salvation after they die. Well, my goodness, why don't we have a line lining up down the street baptizing for everyone, for God so loved the world, everybody better just keep getting wet. And... Even with that crazy, I, I'm just, and I, I don't mind going at this. I'll, I'll talk history about Joseph Smith with you all day long, but this, this is something. <laughs> Why not just give somebody all your money and say, when I die, I'm going to live like hell on earth. When I die, get baptized for me. You can have my money. There's just ridiculous stuff out there that other people are believing and calling it Christianity. Look, to live is Christ, to die is gain is the way the Apostle Paul puts it. Careful with all the thoughts. We must stay attached to the vine, and his name is Jesus. People will try to sell you heaven and all other ways to get to heaven. There's only one way, and his name is Jesus. And there's a power of choice here. This is something that that I really took from Billy Graham. He's got a book out there on heaven and angels and that, that type of thing. There is no doubt that Lazarus made the right choice when he was on the right side of the shore, when he was on this side of the shore, and the rich man didn't. Every one of us has a birth date, and every one of us has a death date. Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed once for every man to die. It is appointed once. You will die. And we have, this, we have this birth date, but we have a death date. And it can be scary or it can be empowering. When we're in the hands of Christ Jesus, it's not the safest place to be, but it's the only place to be because it's eternity. You know, many of us live as though we will live forever. And you can if your destiny 
is placed in the right place, which is Jesus. What happens when you die is what happens before you die. The most spiritual thing we do today, I say this many times, are the choices we make. Make the choice of Jesus. Billy Graham stated it this way, life is the most uncertain thing in the world. So let me ask you, why do we take chances with the choices we make if we're certain about, if we're uncertain about my salvation? If I were uncertain about my salvation, you couldn't drag me out of here until it had been settled. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Church, I hope some of you are not saved. And I'm going to tell you why. Because that means somebody loved you enough to invite you here in order to be saved. When we take it to heart for God so loved the world, we don't want anyone to find themselves like the rich man. We want everyone to be drawn in as the body of Christ. Don't leave here with that not being settled. How would this parable look if heaven invaded the earth? It would start out this way. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted with a doorman, Lazarus. And he doctored his sores and he gave him medication and he gave him food and he comforted him until the Lord called him to Abraham's side. Church, that brings heaven to earth.